not one, but two VFX professionals now are going to deep dive into the Mandalorian Season 3 gallery special presentation. All this and more on Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge. What's up, everybody, and welcome to kind of a take two of this episode, but me and my lovely co-host, Jack George, we're going to break down the gallery special of The Mandalorian, and I'm really excited because I've always wanted to do this, is have a proper VFX geek out of Star Wars and visual effects, and um, but first things first, let's bring Jack in. So how are you doing today, Jack? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. So just another day here in sunny England. <laughs> it's not too sunny here. It's really great. No, it's not. <laughs> I was being sarcastic. <laughs> Obviously, my American sarcasm is horrible. But uh, yeah, it's been very rainy. Very, very, very rainy. Same. But um, yeah, so we'll just yeah, kind of no. hit We'll hit some of the headlines that have happened. Uh, again, if you're a first-time listener to Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge, we are a podcast that's once a month, and we broadcast from a canon planet. So first, we're going to go into some canon facts, and then we will hit some kind of the headlines that have happened in the last month and uh, go from there. So I'm going to hand it over to our lovely navigator, Jerry. Jerry, take it away. Bring your pterodactyl repellent because we're off to Navarro. Navarro was a volcanic planet located in the Outer Rim territories connected to the Hydean Way. It was covered with vast regions of lava fields as well as volcanic rivers and had a capital city which became a port and trading hub in the Outer Rim. Once a hub for the Bounty Hunters Guild and secret imperial bases, Navarro's capital city has become a thriving tourist destination under the watchful eye of Grief Karga. Shannon, back to you, Captain. Thanks for that, Jerry. So, um, we are from the canon planet of Navarro. So what was kind of your first thoughts on Navarro and things like that? Because what's exciting is you can actually answer this as a fan and not a former crew member. So what was kind of your takes on Navarro? Mine? Yeah, yours. Well, <laughs> I love Navarro. I think it was a, like a really really cool planet like the I love the the, the the set itself there was like lagoons and like lava and it and we were on seemed to be on there for weeks um, and there was only like there wasn't there wasn't actually much set extension on it they'd done such a huge set build that we re- you know you rarely ever saw off the top of the set so you actually you actually f- it was one of those sets where you actually feel like you actually actually in and on a Star Wars planet if you know what I mean um, yeah, great. Navarro's one of my favourites. Well, what about you? I um, I really enjoyed it because um, I think it was it was different because like we haven't really had like every time we think of like lava and volcanoes, we think of Mustafar. Yeah. Whereas Navarro, it was really cool that it was this kind of more underground mm. area, and of course, like if you look at you know, islands like the Philippines or Hawaii or, you know, anything that's in the ring of fire. Yeah. Uh, yes, geography 101. Um, <laughs> that, you know, on top of volcanoes, you you also have this very lush green. So it, it was really, it's I, I don't know if it was done on purpose, but you could almost look at it on a subtext level that it was like, yes, you could have this burning fire underneath, but on top, you could also have this beautiful, lush landscape. Yeah. And it also is almost like as the, series progressed in Navarro, it first started as this really desolate planet, whereas we see it towards the end of season three, it actually is really bloomed and blossomed. So again, maybe that's intentional, maybe that's not, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that one, it was really good. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So... I did. I really did, actually. So um, some of the things we're going to get into real quick, we're going to light speed skip through some of this month's headlines. So I think first and foremost, we uh, we want to talk about is the strike that is going on. And as to VFX professionals in our day job, like, yes, it will affect us. It probably will affect us in the autumn, but I will speak for me. And I know Jack will probably echo with me, but that uh, we are definitely in complete solidarity and also as content creators, kind of listening to what SAG and uh, 
the writers guild kind of like we can still talk about things but we're going to do more of like a reflective thing and we may record some episodes and they might come after the strike but uh we stand i know for me completely stand in solidarity because the thing is with these conversations happening it also means bigger conversations are happening and actually kind of between the two recordings of this episode uh, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, Jack, that um, several like VFX onset professionals have started like a Marvel union. And it, that's a much a big step. I mean, we, we can only speak so much because we have to be careful. But um, yeah, so that's kind of the first thing in our light speed skip. What are, what are your thoughts and reflections on kind of what's going on with the strikes and now this new announcement with, um, you know, Marvel, you know, VFX professionals? standing up no i echo i echo your thoughts i'm i'm in in full support you know a better a better deal needs to be struck this won't affect sort of a-list actors who are billionaires that they're 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 standing standing on the picket with like the smaller actors or the extras or or the 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 people who don't really have as big a role to aren't on such as big an income yet they're working on shows that are making bazillions across the world on streaming platforms um yeah i completely you know i, I completely stand with stand with them uh, I, I feel for i feel for crew crew members um i've got lots of friends who who, who are now out of work completely out of work you know i've got friends on on deadpool 3 who who, who have just stopped shooting when that happens as a crew member you're literally off out of work you're not retained you're you are it's just like the start of covid <laughs> again it's a tricky one but that you know that that comes with that comes with any strike in in whatever field you know with whatever field you're in um and yeah i think you you you've just got to do what you can and show solidarity in my opinion to get reflective pay and, and and fairer pay, and then yeah, what you were saying with regards to the Marvel Union for onset visual effects people, it's it's funny because well, it's not funny, it's serious. But um, visual effects have never onset never had a union representation ever. We never had one when I was on set. All the other departments, like camera, camera department, or the electrical department, they all they're all protected by their unions. Whereas visual effects was just like this grey area, and I think I mean part of that is because um, they're quite a new department to have on set. They're not a traditional department on set, but because you know, it, because it's growing and, and the importance of visual effects is 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 now becoming sort of more widely accepted. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a great move and it's a much much needed one because we're putting in the same, if not more, hours than than anyone else in any other department. You know, yeah. Um, so I think it's a great move. Well, and it's very interesting, and I'm I'm glad I got your opinions on it because me, I, I I think unfortunately, visual effects. A lot of people, and it is quite a bit of it, is people in like a room, a dark room, doing things. But I mean, visual effects as a branch of the filmmaking process you know studios or uh, i shouldn't say studios because that wording will get um confusing we'll call it vfx houses yeah. within some of the bigger houses um you will have like 12 departments of their own so whereas i'm editorial and viewed as kind of like as a support role you do have your comp your animation your fx and things so to my point is you know i I don't even. I didn't even really think about the onset stuff until I met you know Jack here, my wonderful co-host, and things. But um, so yeah, you know, I'm very excited for the onset stuff, and it's my hope. Kind of final thoughts with the whole striking situation is this is opening up further conversations. On it, it's like a ripple effect. You mm. know, you, the, the 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 pebble drops into the pond, and at first it seems like it's only two things, but then it goes out and waves deeper. And I, it's kind of that's why you know it's one for all sort of thing yeah. so i'm i'm very hopeful uh and just kind of biding our time and you bring up a very good point as well because i don't think a lot of people may not realize that especially for visual effects it you know the strikes that yes they're happening in america it does affect a lot of places in like you know the united kingdom 
Europe, you know, even, you know, Pan-Asia, you know, and the world basically because of like tax cuts and things. A little insight onto visual effects as a sidebar is there's a lot of tax rebates and incentives to have visual effects done in different countries. That's why kind of the UK is is a big tax write-off and Canada is a huge tax write-off. It's actually more, or was for a bit, more than the United Kingdom. So it is is a world thing. And so I'm glad you touched on that, Jack. Massively is, yeah. Um, Yes. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, you know. They get a fair yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it sounds like they've ever since now between our two recordings of this um, that it looks like some things have been kind of brought to the table, but it's still there's a lot of discussions that still need to be had. So I, I don't think we're out of it yet. Um, I think we're literally just just starting to navigate through the asteroid field if we're putting a Star Wars spin on it. Uh, we haven't quite landed in the belly of the beast yet. But, uh, okay, so going on to kind of our next thing, I mean, this is kind of, I mean, Ahsoka is just around the corner. Uh, and like, the when we were first recording, the first trailer just came out, and now there's been a whole bunch of TV spots. Have you been keeping track with the TV spots at all, Jack? There's been quite a few, hasn't there? I've there really has. different ones of it. They're, re- they're really trying to, um, they're really pushing this, and I've seen lots of slightly different clips as well, which is, which is good. Um I think it's going to appeal to a lot of people. Do you think they're doing that because it's such a very specific character? And if you haven't watched like the animated series where this character originates from, that they're they're trying to like bring in that general audience? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Because I'm, I've 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 never watched. You know, I'm not not aware of the character really. Um, yeah. So I, I'm I'm one of those people that they're obviously trying to pull in. There, there were mm-hmm. like really diehard people who know all about the character uh, and will be really invested in it from the start. They won't have even needed to have seen a trailer. They'll just want yeah. to watch it straight away. But I think that's going to be a very small percentage of them yeah. because they can't rely on just those people watching this show. They need it to. They, they need it to. Um, they need to gain interest from you know much 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 wider fields which i think i think they have i think i think it looks really interesting and a lot of fun yeah i i think it's quite good that um they did do i like that starting off they didn't start with like all the promotional materials explaining that she was originally an animated character but towards the end i think it, as of this recording like last week mm-hmm. they did finally start doing kind of like a behind the scenes of you know when was this character created and i mean i think it was on the anniversary like the 15th because it's like it's 15th anniversary since um it came out and there are some explaining clips which is funny because i've been sending it to my my dad who actually is really like interested about it and um i sent him kind of a clip like okay here's the backstory and things like that um because i i do think that it's it's in a really weird promotion of like you you don't want to spoon feed but then you also you have a very very cherished and loved character that a certain portion of the fandom really know and love and then another portion don't like i only really know about this character now from the last couple of years of interacting with other content creators and hearing their stories on how their this character really meant to them yeah. so yeah it, it's a it's an interesting switch uh but uh yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll be very curious and um, we will record an episode about it in the future. Uh, it may be delayed because, again, with um, in regards to the, the SAG and uh, WGA strike. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I know there's I, there's lots of speculations and it's weird because I was right into, like, speculations and things during when, like, the sequel trilogy was coming out, but yeah. not uh, with the TV shows. So I... I can't really speculate. I don't know what to say. I'm just kind of I'm looking forward to a kind of seeing for you and my family, my extended family, as a case study. Like, how much is the show going to really click with them yeah. because they don't have that background knowledge? And two, I, I it's kind of nice not going and going. Oh, I hope this happens, or oh, I hope yeah. that happens, and then getting your expectations crushed a little bit because yeah, I think if you go yeah. into anything yeah. with a lot of expectation that. Yeah. I'm, yeah, you I'm could exactly easily. The same on that. There's absolutely. I don't have any expectations of it. I'm just like excited to watch something fresh. And uh, yeah, so fingers crossed. How how are they releasing it? When's the first one out? Um, they're releasing a two episode 
um, I think it's two episodes on Disney Plus on the 23rd. So literally, soon. yeah, very soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, next week. Very soon. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk awesome. about it now next one, definitely. Definitely. So um, so that'll move on to the, the next one, which this one was, I'll take point on this for a, a minute, was we were talking about the Lando show. And uh, literally, right as we were recording at that moment uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Lando show, like, really, we hadn't heard anything. And the the showrunner, who, funny enough, was uh, the, I believe was the director of um, uh, almost called Phantom Manor, sorry, Haunted Mansion, um, was like. Um, you know, had the basically that showrunner had as apologies, his name escapes me, had said, you know, I haven't heard anything since its announcement or anything like that. So we were saying, you know, you know, I really think it's kind of dead in the water. Um, Billy D, bless him, he yeah. was struggling a little bit at celebration with his health. I mean, I think the guy is in his 80s, absolute legend, but you know, we, we can't push these poor actors like you know into it but then literally the day after we had to kind of stop the recording due to technical difficulties it came out that actually donald glover and his brother are now tied to the project and writing it and unfortunately this showrunner that's how we found out about it like he wasn't told by lucasfilm that he is not on it anymore he had to find out through social media so i, I don't know how to take this because it is a little bit like okay house of mouse and lucasfilm you, you it's kind of like can you get your ducks in a row because it, I don't know it just seemed really 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 messy and it's not even like now clickbaity sites making up the story I mean when you have the actual people involved going on record to go yeah I don't know anything about this you know it, I don't know it, it's just very bizarre um, before I hand it over to Jack I'm very interested and excited if the show does come through. I think it still has a long development process. Um, originally, when they announced it back in 2020, I thought it would be great for its like older Lando, you know, Billy D. Williams, almost kind of like a young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but, you know, it'd be like the, I think he said it in Solo, uh, the Calrissian Chronicles, where he kind of like introduces and then it kind of like almost cross fades into a young Lando played by Donald Glover. And then we get to see these adventures. Um, but again, I mean, clock is ticking. We, you, you can't just assume that these people are going to be here, you know, for the long haul. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts or anything on kind of how this all went down and I mean, things really, like that. Yeah, it was really odd how it went down. I mean, I have absolutely no inside info on it. Um, what I would say from a personal point of view, I'm really excited about it. I, I've loved Lando Calrissian, always loved him since since seeing it and uh, the Empire Strikes Back. He was always one of my favorite characters, and I thought he was brilliant and in solo you know i thought donald glover donald glover's great anyway isn't he in everything um so i'm excited i think it, it, him him at the helm writing and everything will be fantastic um it yeah what you said about sort of in the indiana jones type of theme i'd, I'd love that i would really love that if, if that's the way the episodes are, are going to be set out i think it'd be fantastic um yeah and my mum loves him, the character Lando. Yeah, he was always, she, he was always a favourite. She used to have this big when I was a child. She had this big bag with big picture of Lando's face, Billy D. Williams's face on it that she had for years and years. She loved him. I loved it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. I, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I'm just <laughs> forgetting all about forgetting all the politics to do with it. I'm I'm just as a fan really looking forward to this venture i think it's going to be great yeah it's interesting because you bring up a good point because um bless him and i this is one of the things i absolutely love about jack is he's not really in like the twitterverse or kind of watching all like the videos and things so i'm not going to say casual fans i find that really kind of patronizing but it's one of those you you are a fan and you're just you you actually await for like official announcements and things yeah. i think that's where someone like me now that's been so tapped in for the last four years as kind of a pseudo content creator you're you're so like 
engage i don't even but i don't follow like leaks and things one because i don't like things spoiled and two because it's like you know it just gets misinformation it, it's and i also I, I just i don't like that because you're also putting someone's job uh yeah. on in, at risk as, yeah. as someone who deals with security and leaks i just i have i i i, ha- I respect some leakers you know, like there's a great one, um, Bespin Bulletin, that's been a friend of the podcast for a very long time. But like, I also know that this person, he, he does it tastefully, if that's even possible. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I guess I just, it's one of those kind of just like that. That's just not, I mean, fair. Like, I, I couldn't imagine if you get like your dream, you get to work on a Star Wars show and you're really excited and they make the announcement and all sorts and then all of a sudden it's kind of like no you're not involved anymore and yeah i don't know i guess i just be like just be honest just tell me if you don't like it or if it's not gonna work and go from there but yeah so that was that was pretty much it for um the lander show so it was so funny we we literally had a whole section where we were like yeah it's not going anywhere whatever and then we had to stop due to technical difficulties and i remember like literally sending you the tweet that night night, wasn't it it was the same day i was like god we couldn't plan that if we tried um but uh but it's just sometimes how fast those things and that's why like going kind of back to this podcast is we will never be like your latest greatest news like covering the news of the week or whatever there's so many other fantastic podcasts that do that we're just again more reflective so kind of our last um part of our like light speed skipping uh news round is um John Boyega has gone on record to say that he is willing to be in another Star Wars project. And it's funny because it's almost like he's kind of changed his tune from the outside. Obviously, we don't know the whole story, but I know like a year ago or so, he's like, oh, you want Disney Plus me or whatever, which is funny because he's in actually a really fantastic film on Netflix. Um called i think it's called they clone Ty- tyrell now I, oh my god the title escape, escapes me oh really funny and he's great you know what i love about john boyega is it is it's not john boyega being finn or john boyega being the king in the woman king he is different like i mean he's got like a like kind of like a grill oh god i'm gonna really age myself and probably things but i think they're still called grills but he's got like these teeth and the way his body language is i mean you can tell he is a proper actor's actor you know he yes. thinks about things like you know your walk your head movements your tone your voice you know things that are kind of covered in acting 101 yeah. um but that's also a very theater way of acting um but yeah, like I, um, I do think kind of going into now back to him coming back to Star Wars. I've, I don't know about you, Jack, but I think he's got to be in this new Ray film. He's got to be, you I know. I really want him to be. Yeah, and I, I want that for him, and I want that for the community too. Because yeah. you know, again, when I was doing kind of like these documentary, like reflective things back in 2020, um, you know, the moment Star Wars spoke to me, listening to the BIPOC community and things, you know, sadly, it never dawned on me that there was a big bait and switch to where all the promotional materials we thought Finn was going to be a Jedi. He had the lightsaber on all the Force Awakened posters. You know, his stuff is in the trailer. You know, it wasn't until we saw the film that we had what I call the Excalibur moment with Rey, which of course spoke to me as a woman, but then I felt awful that, you know, again, upon reflection and speaking to other different communities and things that it was like, oh God, but then it kind of took it away from another one. (laughs) And so I would really like that him to come back and i'd really want it to be like they're toe to toe like not toe to toe as in like fighting but like they're really teaching each other because like this is something we'll definitely do another time on what we would like to have in the future ray films and i'd love to bring another friend of the the podcast on arzu who's a writer because there's a lot of i don't want too many stereotypical or you know trope things to happen but yeah i i would love him to be back i want him to be full-fledged yeah. you know him and ray are like same level you know i don't want this one's better than the other like you mm. know they're learning together like i know and this was big in the ahsoka prim- uh, materials talking about um what was it master and apprentice i yeah. don't 
know if I'll see him as like a master and apprentice, but it would, yeah, it would be good to just see them together as yeah, it would. equals. What do you think? I, on- I agree. I, I think their relationship was really fun. And it sort of went, it, I don't know, it, with, with that relationship the, in, in, in The Force Awakens, you you were kind of wondering if there's a romance. Yeah. Yeah, and then it, it became apparent that it obviously wasn't and they were good friends. And I, I really liked the the cycle of their relationship. And Finn was one of those characters where I'm actually, I was really eager to, I would be really eager to see what he got up to next. Yeah. Because um, he was like the sort of hand solo of the... He was. The new ones, wasn't he? And um, he was, he, his character was all a lot of fun he was cool he was funny um so i'd love to see him back in some capacity and if it's with ray then even better yeah um, well because well, like what i love is like i mean again they were both i think like 23 i mean you'll know this more but like they were like so young like it's so funny when i look back at 23 i had just moved to like colorado was going to film school you think you're grown up but yeah, then when you're now like us and in your late 30s, you're like, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, you're really not. Oh, you think you're such an adult at that age. But no. And, but they, what I love about them too, like off screen is they really are good friends. Like they really support each other and especially navigating. And let's be honest, a pocket of the fandom can be quite horrible. Yeah, and so they they both dealt with that kind of prejudice and things um i mean that kind of they both did on different levels and different ways but um yeah i just i, I so I, I do i want them back as well because i think that their chemistry will be great yeah, and, and I think yeah he, he's since the star wars films He's he's done so many different roles since then. So he's yeah. His his actual acting ability will, will have been yeah tenfold as well. So it will agreed what he would bring to, to Finn now yeah. after all of that acting experience because he's had really serious roles, really full on roles. Yeah, and he's been great in them. So it, it would be really interesting to see how he would play Finn, a, a Finn who's 10, 15 years old. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, because I mean, again, kind of reflecting on our ourselves. I mean, I'm definitely a completely different person. Yeah, exactly. Fifteen years ago. Um, on the same token, it'll be interesting how what Ray's like as well. What days? Yeah, like. yeah. Because she's got some stuff coming out soon that um, I've had friends working on. Like one's like the the old man sees daughter or something. I don't know. Like I'm getting these titles butchered. And there's another film like she did. It's like an indie film called like, sometimes I think about dying, Um, which is funny because if you think about it, anything Daisy's been in since like from, we'll say the force awakens onward. If you think about it, she's always been either in like a fantasy like costume or period a period yeah, yeah. because murder yeah. on the orient express she yeah. was in period oh ophelia which i finally got to see which actually don't sleep on that actually is quite good but she's so young now yeah. <laughs> when you look at it um that wasn't bad chaos walking which is also funny because you can tell the reshoots sometimes were like two three years apart and like there are times her and tom holland look like babies and then other times you're like oh wow you guys kind of grew up. <laughs> but you, you don't see her in like modern day clothes or like normal yeah. it's almost weird stuff. like yeah, yeah. to see if i ever saw that's it contemporary thank you to see her in anything contemporary so i'm i'm very curious about that but um apparently she's really nice in person yeah, like she's lovely she's really, really even now because i know like you dealt with them when they were quite young yeah uh but um they have yeah, such, did you, they have such a laugh together as well do they're, they they're, they're, they're always like belly laughing between them. <laughs> yeah. and see that's good like that kind of again energy and chemistry will flow over into yeah. the work and the art because also when you have that close chemistry and just like not romantic chemistry but you can just have chemistry with somebody course, that yeah. um then it also makes like the serious scenes work as well really like does, you, yeah. you you believe like so yeah, I, I think we could really, if they're willing, 
like them being like production and directors and things could really go deeper places. And but, it's it's um, funny, isn't it, with John Boyega? Because it felt like he distanced himself from Star Wars a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. Um, just with just with like comments here and there, and he spoke recently, didn't he, about um, what order he would place. Yes, thank you for bringing this up because this this became a massive clickbaity. Oh, he's dissing this. No, it was so simple. It was literally just like if he was to, you know, the three films he was in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I know some people were surprised that he put the Last Jedi as the the like his last, his least, because he had such that big Canto bite thing. But like at the same time, that doesn't mean anything. Just because you're given something doesn't mean like oh you should appreciate it because you were given. No, if you don't feel it does the character justice. Yeah. I mean. I am I am surprised by that, but at the same time, like, hey, that that's fair. And maybe he's not even thinking about his role; he's thinking bigger picture and exactly. story. So, yeah, I yeah, agree. Right, right. but you know that. Yeah, he was on um, a, a sub show of Hot Ones, which is fantastic. Like, if you haven't seen the one with Gal Gadot, oh my god! Like, one that woman is gorgeous, no matter what she's doing, even if it's eating hot wings, spitting, and drooling. <laughs> Like, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah uh, I love that show. Um, I could never do it because I'd probably get to wing three and be like, <laughs> I can't eat. But yeah, are you not good? With, you're not good with spice. No, I'm or not. Really, I love no. Spice. Even as someone who's losing their sense of smell, because you know, smell is tied to taste. I yeah. still, it's obviously still there because I can't do spicy food. Um, but yeah, it. it's. Uh, it's weird. I mean, some spices I can do, but others I'm just like, woof. Yeah. <laughs> like I went, I went and had some like chicken wings years ago in America, you know, cause I have hot wings here and I'm like, oh yeah, I can handle. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> but in no. America, they're really popular, aren't they? they they're very popular. Like an American thing, this hot wing challenge. You do see them cropping up here more and more. Yeah. Hot wing challenges. But. but let me tell you, like as kind of going back, I mean, again, it was several years ago, but yeah, the, what we in England think are hot wings would probably be more like their mild wings. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. <laughs> so that's, um, that will wrap up our, uh, light speed skipping round of kind of the news headlines and we'll move into our main discussion hopefully we'll remember now but uh we both watched the gallery of the um behind the scenes of the mandalorian season three and i think what got me my ears really pricked up is the use of a p word that is very much right up jack's alley and it's a photogrammetry say that 10 times fast but um i don't know it got me really excited i was like yeah we have to talk about this because we geek out about this you know off air it'd be great to you know talk about it on air but um so yeah i guess i'll i'll just kind of start um it was really interesting kind of them because like this is now season three of the gallery so like how much can you talk about like obviously season one was big about the technology and then season two was about you know pushing that technology further this one it it kind of was like and also we get less and less episodes because like for season one we had one like per like almost like a behind the scenes for each episode of the mandalorian whereas then like season two we had one before the big spoilers if you haven't seen season two by the way Uh, one before the luke reveal and then after the luke reveal happened we had a second episode and then now we're in season three and we're just talking about everything and like a 45 minute thing but i think what really kind of spoke to me and talked to me kind of about you know on a personal level was when they were you know talking about john favreau and being like a student of visual effects and everything because a lot of those projects where he was kind of trying and perfecting the volume was on jungle book which i was part of was on lion king and it was it's just it's so surreal when like you hear people like talk about it because you know the and maybe it's a bit different for you jack because you have worked on bigger name projects more whereas for me you know those are kind of my big name drop ones and then i've worked on a lot of smaller projects that like they are very big but it it just it's just weird because i guess also like i haven't i have this weird hat like record that i haven't meant to do but i've always been on shows that have been sole vendor Mm. and i've always come in like the last nine ten months of a project um so like jungle book 
I came in and it was like in full fledged mode and I was doing all the promotional materials and things like that. Lion King, uh, because of a role switch up, I got onto Lion King for like the last nine months. So I don't know. It's just weird when you hear someone talking about it. So when we had Dave Fioni kind of going, oh yeah, well, you know, he comes from Lion King and Jungle Book background. I'm like, I don't know. It's just a a weird thing. But what I also like is even though John Favreau did come from that, I love that he he knows to look at what suits the story. And so I love that he also uses a lot of practical. And this is the part I really want to deep dive in with you is when they were on Mandalore, they took photos. And again, I'll let you explain this further. And, you know, brought in legend Phil Tippett to deal with Mandalore and uh, just the way they went about it, it just makes me so excited that it's like has something old, something new and just bringing that technology together. Mm. So maybe I'll hand it over to you, Jack, kind of, first of all, maybe give a layman's terms to what is photogrammetry and why this was so cool that they were able to kind of combine various disciplines and specialties to get a really good look to help it still seem tangible and real because as we know from like the prequels they're fantastic in their own right Mm. but the digital it's so digital now that it just feels very so anyway i will i will let you uh, kind of break uh, you, it down. I mean, just like you, it, it, what what interested me so much is the photogrammetry aspect. And photogrammetry, for those for anyone who doesn't know, is basically the process of someone as a human being will go will will go into an environment that could be a mountain range or a desert or a jungle or. Uh, I don't know, a, a snowy setting. And you basically with, with a camera, you shoot thousands of stills, slightly moving the camera to the right or left for each still so that eventually when you've got all of these stills, you can s- stitch them together and map them as a background. Um, the What me and Shannon are currently working on has involved a fair bit of photogrammetry. Um, but what, where shows differ with the use of photogrammetry so a show that me and Shannon have worked on would literally stitch together the photos that I or someone else has taken on set they'd stitch it together and they'll map that as a background what they were doing on the Mandalorian is they'd have a team of people shooting this photogrammetry um, and they would then project they'd stitch it and then they'd project this onto the volume and they'd have banks of these sets of photogrammetry so they could change the backgrounds at any basically at the click of a button maybe not that quickly it might take 10 minutes to load and whatever but essentially what you've got is you, you can you can shoot whatever you want and, the, and what i love about the mandalorian is it's like a it's such a perfect blend of real life and cg or visual effects because that they 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 build the set. They just don't don't build the backgrounds, and they don't use blue screens because they use the photogrammetry, which which is also which also lights the set in the way that it should be lit. Because the the photogrammetry, for example, if it's a desert, then when you're shooting the photogrammetry, that your photogrammetry is lit as the desert looks. So when you're projecting that onto the set, the set itself just fits perfectly, um, and it's. It's a really interesting concept, and it, I think it's the final sort of nail in the coffin of this sort of practical versus visual effects. It's, it's a perfect example of, of how it can work. Yeah, we really, have needing really both. Because what I, I, what I loved was kind of where Phil Tippett got involved was they made basically miniatures very high detailed miniatures of like this underbelly in Mandalore and then he was able you know you kind of saw it like the various like foam bits and then that's where they then took these like I'm going to speculate here like what resolution we'll just say 8k photos that probably were not they were probably bigger than that um but the other thing is kind of getting into a little bit of VFX theory here is also um getting lighting right 
is so difficult in yeah. an artificial setting. If you're, you know, as a common viewer, you may see somebody on a green screen or you'll see like a ship added in and it might, you can just pick it out and you go, oh, I can tell that's fake. You may not be able to communicate why, but you can just, your eye is not fooled. And one of, it takes many reasons why, frame rate, etc. But it's lighting. That is also a big thing. Trying to get lighting to match is very difficult. Well, if you're in a real life setting and taking these photogrammetry photos, the lighting, just like what you were just touching on, really just, again, adds that bit that's so difficult i think that's why some also some of these um face you know de-aging and face structures are also still struggling like dial of destiny had some amazing stuff but it's just still not quite right and i think a lot of that it's lighting because skin isn't you know opaque it yeah. is translucent and different. That's why you can see, you know, someone's face go flush or whatever. And it's so difficult to still get it right. Um, and again, it's down to lighting. And yeah, so by using these principles and to know to know to use these principles and to try them, not just do the, oh, we'll just, you know, <laughs> that famous last words. Oh, we'll just do it in post or, oh, we'll just do it CGI. Like, because it's a thought and a reason and again these art it's it's artistry in itself don't get me wrong if you're a digital set creator that is artistry as well everything is artistry it's putting it all like you just said jack it's that finding that balance and brilliance to put it together and i think that's that's where i think say what you will about story of the sequels or, you know, how things are done, you know, Book of Boba Fett as a story I have major issues with, even though I will say up top, I'm not a writer, but I just as a viewer, but you can't deny the technology being used is really reaching that blend. And it's a personal pet peeve of mine. I don't know if it is of yours, Jack. Right now, there's visual effects is still like a bad word. And I think it's because people don't understand when you say there's no VFX, they really need to say there's no CGI because visual effects can be things like painting a wig line out or yeah. removing a harness, adding camera shake, you know, kind of painting out cars in the background. This is considered like invisible, as I'm putting in air quotes, invisible visual effects. It's still visual effects. All their arms are covered in football tattoos. I mean, it, it needs it needs removing. Do you know? It, yeah, it's it's. I've got one one of my good mates worked. I've never seen the show, but he worked on Bridgerton. He was the uh, on set VFX data wrangler on on Bridgerton, and I uh, like I read the script of Bridgerton because they, they sent it to me ask, asking if I was interested at the time, and I couldn't do it because I was on another job. But and it had the visual effects count on on every on every scene. And it was just monstrous, and it because it was all all paint outs, you know, the sh the shooting that the, they were shooting at um, like manor houses and stuff, which which are obviously real. But then there's 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 things on the on these manor houses that you're not allowed to touch. So you know, wires going around, cables everywhere, pylons. Uh, do you know? It's it's literally pretty much every single shot just on a on a Netflix period drama. Every pretty much every shot has visual effects in it. It's the same with the crown. You know, the crown's got a big visual effects budget. It's, it's on. It's on everything. Um, and but it's when people like Christopher Nolan come out and and, and say these things, I'm just like because most people will believe that, and it's it's just not true. And I know there's a handful. There was literally just a handful of visual effects credits on Oppenheimer. I mean, I'm not seeing it yet, and I'm really excited to see it, but I haven't seen it yet. And there's 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 people who are really upset because hundreds of visual effects artists worked on on it, and and I think there's like ten or twelve visual effects people who get a credit on the film. Nothing. There's nothing worse than working on a project that could have over like five thousand shots, and then being you know everyone's being said, oh it was all done on set, or oh there's no CGI, 
like, you know, that's happening with Oppenheimer and all this. Oh, you know, it wasn't CGI. Well, it's got to be something because you certainly didn't light a nuke up. So, no, what it was was, yes, you recorded a practical explosion and then composited. It's those kind of things. Like, I just I don't like these blanket answers. And to your point, like you said, it really just kind of really debunks the whole, you know, yeah i just i just i just think it's uh it's 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 a bit of a crying shame but and and i know we've digressed but yeah back back to the mandalorian and, and phil tippett I, I just think it's, it's the perfect example of of a blend of everyone's crafts and that that's that's what i love about it and it was originally driven by greg fraser um who's another genius at what he does uh, carried it over from Rogue One onto Batman to Mandalorian. Um, yeah, it's it looks great. The Mandalorian look, just looks fantastic, doesn't it? it? It was just a great move again. Back to lighting because if if they'd have if they'd have if they'd have shot everything on a green screen or blue screen, that's fine. It's you can easily put in a background in post. But the problem is, like, the reflection, especially with, like, shiny costumes and helmets like yep. in The Mandalorian, because they would just reflect the green spill that's coming off of the that's coming off of the green screen. And I, and I know for a fact it happened with Phasma on um, which... Oh, please do tell. Do tell. It happened... I mean, she won't be happy with this. <laughs> on, on... Oh, she... On episode eight... Um, she was on, on on the set that was it was three hundred and sixty blue screen. There were just a few few bits of set pieces in the middle, but every single shot was was on that was on Phasma was against the blue screen, and she was getting so much spill onto mm. her helmet. Now we're talking about ILM here, so it wasn't a big, really big deal to them. But it turned out that she just had to become full CG because mm. because they couldn't paint out the spill on her helmet. It was too much work. Explain what spill is. Sorry to interrupt you because again, you and I, we use that term very commonly, but explain what spill means. So so if if you could imagine you've got like a a shiny helmet and it's on a film set and you're shooting it against a blue screen, well, they have to light the blue screen and it's basically the reflective light from the blue screen. So it would, it would, there would be like this sort of, the helmet would just pretty much turn blue. It would be this spill of blue light coming off the blue screen onto her helmet because it's shiny. It's almost like she's wearing a mirror. She's reflecting the blue screen. So yeah, a lot, a lot of the time they, they, she she was actually had to be full CG. They had to replace her completely because it was too much work to paint out the the, the spill on her helmet. So, yeah, because to just to kind of jump into that, um, basically what happens is if you don't find creative ways to paint out that spill, say if you just do a, a kind of blind chroma key where you take out the green screen or the blue screen, what will happen is because of that reflection chunks of her will be missing so you'll you'll have this really weird like all of a sudden you're only going to see like her eyes or like a slight outline of the helmet you don't see all of her because of that light reflect trust me spill is like vfx (laughs) we don't like seeing de-spill is yeah (laughs) so thank you for explaining that it was just one of those i was like that's why the the photogrammetry really works because for for those reflective reasons that the the, and and obviously there's a lot of shiny helmets in mandalorian so then they're reflecting the actual background so you you know you're not you're not affecting you're not gonna have to replace anything on on these on the characters um so it was a really really good move and it looks stunning i think all three seasons of it look look great yeah well and it's funny i remember being at star wars celebration when they were talking about the mandalorian for the first time again this was before we knew about baby yoda or anything i remember them showing us the razor crest going past screen but what i loved was it was a model on a stand and it was the camera moving past the stand again going back to kind of that old feel star wars yeah yeah that's the other thing that star wars as a medium i wouldn't say is fighting but is something that like 
we now look at and go, ah, that's Star Wars. And again, it's that practical model. You know, you, you want that old feeling. And that that's why I think like what will make a Star Wars product work yeah. be it and this is now not just visual effects but it needs to be something old and something new that's why like the season one of the mandalorian i thought was chef's kiss because it was something new you know it's a brand new character brand new world but what was the old the old is oh the guy now hailing the taxi is the same guy that snitches on han and chewy in episode four I can't tell you all the alien names, believe it or not. I, I yes, I'm diehard, but I can't tell you literally everything. No, I'm um, <laughs> but um, and I think this is where, for me, on a story level, I started struggling with ep, you know season two, season three. I felt was actually a bit better because they pulled it back, but. We all of a sudden we were going, oh, hey, here's Boba Fett. Here's Bo-Katan. You know, here's Ahsoka Tano. You know, all these other, it, here's Luke Skywalker. All of a sudden you're kind of making this universe small again. I don't mind things tying in, but not so much where it's just like, oh God, now all of a sudden, we're, d- does that make sense? Where it's just like, I really Absolutely. don't want too was, much yeah, coming no, in. I, I agree completely. And back, back to, back to the, what you were saying about the use of, of practical effects with the camera just going past the model on um, on the rise of Skywalker. I don't know if you remember the, the shot of the Jawas. Yes, I heard about this only yeah. because I've watched behind the scenes, but I will let you uh, tell it, was, it from so an on actual on set perspective. So, yeah, go. so it, was, it was the visual effects supervisor who shot that. It was called a fellow called a guy called Roger Guyet. Um, so he had the Jawas in the foreground. And then in the background, just had a model of the sand crawler. In in the, this, he had a, we had a really small model, oh, not tiny, but and it we basically we were in the Jordan desert, Jordanian desert, and we, we, just, we just shot these jowers in the foreground. There's just there's just a little model behind them, and it looked silly if you weren't looking down the camera. It looked silly, but as soon as you look through the camera, it looked like this sand crawler was you know was in the deep background. The, that's not been touched at all and it, you know that's not been touched in post at all and that was the visual effects supervisor who who, who shot that shot um and it's in camera in inverted commas like there's no you know yeah didn't have to didn't have to touch anything in post it was like a forced perspective yeah like, exactly and i think what i love is uh that term now has really become kind of a everyone you know a layman's term now because of Peter Jackson's work in Lord of the Rings. Everyone now, including myself, because obviously I was, when Lord of the Rings came out, I was, you know, a freshman in college. So I didn't know the visual effect terms yet, but everything I learned was from, you know, on, you know, either watching movie magic as a kid in the 90s, if you were in America and a kid in the 90s on the Learning Channel, you loved movie magic. That's how I knew ILM as a household name. Uh, And then that was the other thing I would always, when a movie came out that was very visual effects heavy, I would um, basically would get the special editions and yeah. always watch the uh, special features so be it the matrix be it lord of the rings even though lord of the rings is so long to watch sorry to my fellow lord of the rings it fans really but it, it was a it was a slog <laughs> to get through all all especially with the special features oh my god i also made the one christmas before i moved out of the uk we we got like the box set that was like the extended cuts and we made a mistake of like every day we would watch one of them and like I think by the third film, we were literally laughing our butts off because we were just like, this movie could have ended six times. And sorry, I'm going to get into a slight like editing theory 101. The reason why was it was the fade to black. Yeah. You don't fade to black unless you are making a point. Fade to black is a subliminal message that this is coming to an end. They do it in The Rise of Skywalker. Fade to black and then fade up when she's bearing the lightsabers because it's a visual representation. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure they do it in The Rise of Skywalker, but it's a visual way to go, this story is ending. This chapter is ending. And they do it like four times in the extended edition of Return of the King. And we were just like, oh, is it? Nope. Oh, no. Another scene. Uh, Oh, no. Another scene. (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely a long haul. 
but you, what what you what you hear back to what you're saying though about these that that was always if something came out on DVD I would always get the special edition that had the bonus discs you know to, to there's always like disc two or disc three or whatever and it just spent it was just I loved it a lot and I miss that you don't get it oh I do I know I think that's why like I know that um we can get all the Star Wars films at Disney Plus now and everything but I think I'm gonna it's funny we got it last time and we thought this was the whole Skywalker saga but I'm gonna I'm I'm one day I'm gonna get the blu-rays of the entire nine episodes I think it's something like two four six eight ten I think it's like something like 15 or 20 discs because it has all the special features as well um because heck I even now enjoy listening to director commentary where it's funny JJ doesn't do that that's very it's it's difficult there's one version of the force awakens that actually has director commentary but actually it's very difficult to find now like Mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't do it for whatever reason and then we had the complete opposite oh yeah he's he's so much fun and like he's really intelligent and it would be great to hear that well and the other thing that and then we have the we have the complete opposite where we then have with Ryan Johnson, we have that amazing documentary. Well, I think it's amazing. It depends if you hated the last Jedi or not, but um, of, you know, the director and the Jedi and yeah, I love that as well. Are you in that? I gotta, I gotta watch it again now and see if like you're in the background somewhere. Probably will be somewhere. I mean, you are like, hell you're, (laughs) you are an extra in the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, no, I can't unsee it now. Like I literally, I'm like, yep, there's Jack. I can see him. But that's uh, just so cool. I know that you probably get so annoyed with that, but no, no, yeah. no, it's fine. I'm just, it's just a shame that I died in the big battle at the end. What would be your Star Wars name? Because they didn't give you a name. Yeah, they did. It was my first name was Pirate. Pirate. I can't remember what my surname. Oh, you did actually have a name. I thought pirate. you didn't have a name. Yeah, Pirate. I'll look it up. I'll let you know. It was Pirate something. That's funny. Okay, yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't know. I I didn't think you had like a quote canon name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's funny. My costume is hung up underneath my character name. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> How many people can say that they've got a Star Wars name on your birthday, no less? Did you not so, see me at Celebration? Did you not come to my store? I should have. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Now, if you listen to our previous episode, Jack sadly couldn't be there, but even though I was begging him. But uh, yeah, no. looks great, though. Where's the next one? Japan. Japan, isn't it? They've gone out east, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know what? I am so happy about that. Like, and I, I will, I won't. There was a few, just a few, but I was getting a bit angry at some of the Americans. I'm like, you're showing your privilege a little bit. That was like, oh, I have to wait another, you know, four years for it to come to America. I was like, do you know how often celebration has come to Asia? Mm. Zero. Zero. Like, not at yeah. All. <laughs> so this is huge yeah. and oh my god can you imagine the cosplay like yeah, japanese what? have some amazing cosplay so take like it would be like star wars visions but in real life now like yeah. I-, I won't be able to go and that's okay like i, I knew 2023 celebration was going to be like my last celebration because the other thing is you can't quite if you have such an amazing time, you can't capture that again. And 2019, well, actually, it was even though that was technically my second celebration, it was my second, it was my first like multiple day celebration because yeah, I only yeah, went okay, one day yeah. when it was here in 2016. It was such an amazing time because the the trilogy the sequel trilogy was ending the mandalorian we didn't know anything about it there was just so much hype you know jedi um fallen order was coming out it was such an amazing time in yeah. star wars and you just you know i barely had started the podcast it was great that's actually how i found jerry who's our navigator mm. we a lot of them it's funny a lot of people now that I keep in contact with were sitting right behind me at a, a, a podcast panel for the resistance broadcast and we've all kept in touch since um which is a shame because I'm like oh my god I wish I'd talked to you in person when I was there but um because I haven't seen these people in person since but we obviously through twitter and things yeah. but um anyway to stop my ramble yeah it I enjoyed it but it's 
you know, I, I, I wanted to try to kind of go to Celebration 2023 as a content creator, but then it just got complicated and it got, I was just it like... It got personal is what you're saying. <laughs> it didn't get you personal. Much, it just, you were too much of a fan. Or it was just one of those, I, you know, it was one of those also like do I want to go as a content creator or do I want to go as a fan and also post COVID it's just different like I, I don't have, a, have the energy like I used to good god like I brought everything I had planned to do live streams every night and all that never happened never happened I still have to finish my last two like recaps <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's it'll happen but it just this is why I have mad props to people who are proper like content creators that, you know, do it day in, day out. You know, that, that's why like a lot of people are like, oh, I could. Yeah, anybody can do it. You just got to keep with it. You got to keep with it. But anyway, going off topic then, was there anything else that really kind of jumped out to you in the gallery about like the visual effects or just anything in general? Um, it's. I mean, I'm. I'm just obsessed with, with, with regards to the gallery. I, I was just obsessed with the the, the, the sort of photo real backgrounds. I'm really interested in in, in the use of photography as mm. as the background because it, again, it feel what, what we we're talking about before. It feeds into that sort of realistic visual effects. Um, yeah. Sort of sort of blend. I mean, I love the set build. I love the, the actual set builds themselves in the Mandalorian because a lot of it is set building, um, and and there's so much like art and craft involved in that. And, yeah. And it, it's just like it 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 just the Mandalorian Mandalorian just retains that sort of organic feel. You may have seen yeah. this earlier, I can't remember, but it, it it retains that sort of organic Star Wars feel that the original that the original films had um and the sequels i think the prequels sort of lost the weight a little bit with that um but it's just really really great to see to see it back on the mandalorian and I'm yeah gonna, i'm gonna watch the it's friday isn't it i'm gonna watch the it is. tonight it's it's funny that you say movies. that it, it's funny that you say lost their way i I don't rarely do this, but I, I slightly disagree. I don't think it's the prequels lost their way. It's just sometimes technology almost has to be pushed too far to yeah. then go, ah, okay, yeah. let's take this back. Um, I'm I'm praying to God this is what's going to happen with the whole AI thing. Um, yes, that pe- you know, you know, any new technology is going to be like that. Where people, are, I mean, remember when bullet time was used in freaking everything? Yeah, yeah and yeah. now it's been pulled back, yeah. and it, you know, or every it happens also with every student film. Everyone wants to do the dolly zoom. I remember I had a a guy when I went to film school here in in London that was like he was like a famous BBC cameraman. Obviously lost on me as an American, but he literally said to us, you know, get it out of your system. Yeah. That get it done and yeah shot. yes exactly if, if no one knows like the proper term for it is called dolly zoom i think it's called dolly zoom yeah it is, it is. um but that's that's where they basically the subject stays it's, it's a, a trick because what you're doing is zooming out but moving in at the same time so that's how your subject matter your subject stays in position but that background does that kind of look it, it, and it mastered on jaws wasn't it that's a famous it was Roy Scheider, brilliant. Exactly. And that's where it's, I think, kind of forgotten why it was done because we've all been there when all of a sudden, when you go flush or you're getting startled and like it feels like all the blood leaves your head, that is a perfect visual representation yeah. of what that means. And yeah. that's why that works. It, it is again, again, kind of going back into filmmaking theory 101 or whatever. Don't just do something because it's cool. Mm. You know, and I, this drug drives me nuts as an editor. Don't do a cool edit just because you can. Yeah. Everything needs to be thought out. And again, kind of going back to the gallery, I think that's what I love about John Favreau and Dave Fioni is everything is thought out. Hell, even like when they were going to Mandalore, like that's one thing I did love about this season. We are finally seeing Mandalore. You know, we've heard about this planet for years even before um the mandalorian came out and they even thought about that where again interesting enough kind of going to Oppenheimer and things i believe that they, they talked about when atomic 
bomb testing was happening that the the bomb was so hot and pressurized it took the sand and turned it into this green glass so i love that going into the lore of mandalore then tying into the look dev and how it was going to be working in like production and visual effects was then they, they made the ground these green crystals so it had a purpose. It wasn't just, hey, that looks cool and we're going to do this. No, it, everything is thought through. And that's why I think it also works. Yes, you can't just go, oh, I'm going to pick this because it's cool. You know, and Doug, Ch- Doug Chang is just legend. He, he's like my generation's Ralph McQuarrie. I'm very curious to see who's going to take the helm from him um, now because he was kind of the apprentice when it came to the prequels taking over for the legendary Ralph McQuarrie. So now it's kind of like, you know, who's going to be now the apprentice to, to Doug Chang. And um, I would love to, I, I was hoping I was going to meet him at celebration, but then again, it was like, what was I going to say? Like <laughs> <laughs> you inspired me. You're yeah. I don't know. But uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit off topic, but have you seen Oppenheimer? I have not yet. So I watched it the other night and the area in the desert where they go to make the bomb it's called Los Alamos Los Alamos was the code name for Rogue One when we were on set so the production was actually called Los Alamos and yeah I couldn't stop thinking about Rogue One when I was watching Oppenheimer the other night fun fact of the day kids okay that's really I didn't know that because I know like Rogue I know like productions will have kind of like code words yeah. and names and things so that's that's really cool and I, mean, I think I, actually I never looked it up I didn't even for whatever reason I don't know why I didn't even look up Los Alamos I just yeah oh okay that's that's the code name for this show fine yeah and then nice. watching Oppenheimer the other night they keep saying it they keep obviously because it's quite it's quite an important place in the film yeah um, and every I couldn't concentrate properly because I just kept thinking <laughs> one <laughs> oh, such a legend. Yeah. Well, that is all we have for today. So, uh, Jack, where can they find you on socials? Well, you can find me on X Twitter. Twitter <laughs> X. It's at Hammer and Tack. Uh, find me on there. Um, I think you should get a threads. I really think you should get a threads or an Instagram for that's just me. <laughs> I'll tell you what, by this time, the next time we do it, hopefully I'll have a threads up and running. There we go. Nice. And, uh, you can find me at PCGE underscore or podcast on Twitter, threads, and then on Instagram, it's postcards from the galaxy's edge, all uh, typed out. And with that, we will talk to you guys next time. Take care.